Hello listeners, my name is Prince Chiramba. I am the host of the Ola7 Small Business Podcast. We are launching the first episode of the Ola7 Small Business Podcast today. And the reason why we launched this podcast is to amplify the voices of small businesses, to share knowledge, wisdom, ideas. Because if you look, for example, 50% of the workforce in South Africa is employed by small businesses, but their voices are not heard the media tends to give a blind eye on them and give more coverage to big businesses. But when we share ideas, knowledge, wisdom with each other, we begin to build those small businesses into large corporations. So that is the purpose of this podcast. And today I have invited Mulefe Poe. He's a business coach, leadership trainer. He's part of the John Maxwell team. They train leaders around the world. So listen and thank you for being a part of this. You must have talent at every position in your company. You have to be ready to hire and fire people. Yeah, but you gotta be compassionate with yourself. But how do you define a small business? Is it by the number of employees or by revenue? Our website is loading very slow. What is the best accounting software? I've not yet filed our taxes. Should I hire my relatives? Do I need a personal bank account or a business bank account? Welcome to the Ola7 Small Business Podcast with me, Prince Chiramba. This is a place where we talk everything business, everything entrepreneurship, everything small business. Yes, welcome and welcome. I say this a million times and with enthusiasm because this is a place of empowerment. So stay tuned and listen to today's podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by the Ola7 Digital Agency. Whether you need a website, your logo, graphic designing, search engine optimization, or to run your Google ad campaigns, the Ola7 Digital Agency is your one-stop shop. We help small businesses with online experience from start to finish. That's ola7.net slash agency. ola7.net slash agency agency once you are there you will fill in all your details and our friendly consultant will give you a call to discuss your needs and to give you a relevant quotation that's ola7.net slash a-g-e-n-c-y for your entire digital marketing experience when running a business you need to know the numbers you need to know how much is coming in how much is going out whether you're making a profit or you're making a loss. But you need more. You need to manage your payroll. You need to manage your taxes. And to help you manage all that, there is an accounting software, Sage. Sage is the number one accounting software, and they can help you manage your business finances from start to finish. For a 30-day free trial where you check out, try everything that you need, clear all your doubts, it's like a test drive and you don't pay anything, head on to www.ola7.net slash sage. That's ola7.net slash S-A-G-E. And you can try out anything. I'm sure you like sage. Sage accounting is your number one accounting ola7.net slash sage that's ola7.net slash s-a-g-e for your number one accounting software 
today in this podcast i am featured with mulefe poe the man that i've been waiting for for a long time and uh, mulefe is the managing director of initial leadership and business coaching is a certified leadership and business coach speaker leadership trainer facilitator and member of the john maxwell team mulefe is passionate about working with business leaders business owners and entrepreneurs to help them create sustainable and profitable businesses through disruptive leadership the company's mission is to equip business leaders entrepreneurs and business owners with tools and skills that help them to successfully navigate through business complexity and rapid speed of change Mulefe Poye, thank you so much for coming. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Prince. Thanks for the invitation and uh, good day to your listeners. Obviously, they'll be listening at different times of the day and at different periods in their lives. So when, wherever you are, whenever you join, good day to you and uh, hope you learn some things from, from this session. It's a privilege to, to be with, with you, Prince. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's just kick off. Can you introduce yourself? Well, uh, as you've said, in my bio. My name is Molefe Poe. I'm born and raised in Soweto. I've had the privilege of living and working in various provinces in the country. Started obviously studying in, uh, in Soweto in my formative years. Then I completed my high schooling in the Northwest. Then upon uh, completing my metric, I went to KZN to study engineering. And then when I was completed studying engineering. I had a bursary with SASO and I had the privilege of working for SASO after completing my mechanical engineering degree and I worked for them for quite a while. And then from there, I joined another company called Unilever. They've got various divisions. They manufacture home and personal care products, which is your soap and your detergents. But I was in the foods division where we manufactured all your spreads, your cooking spreads, your cooking oils, sorry, and your spreads like your your margarines, your rama, your stock, your flora. So I was in a factory where we manufactured margarines. And then when I completed my tenure with Unilever, I joined and formed a company called Metamorphic Engineering, which basically sought to provide engineering solutions to, to the petrochemical power generation and construction industry. So the business, through my leadership, managed to grow to employ over 150 people. And I was leading a team of five to six direct reports, but we were at some point at the peak, we were employing 150 people. So it was through this business that I also started learning more of leadership skills and started engaging with other entrepreneurs because I was in that space and started to see gaps because when I started, you know, we didn't have the privilege of support system to guide you. And so that's why I felt responsible to try and guide other business owners and entrepreneurs in order for them to be able to, to navigate uh, this, this often treacherous terrain of entrepreneurship and business management uh, because and avoid some of the pitfalls that, that we, we may have experienced because we didn't have the support and the tools that are, are now available as a consequence of technology. So that's how I ended up also, you know, coaching entrepreneurs and business owners because I understood from personal experience some of the nuances and the challenges that that entrepreneurs face on a day-to-day -day basis. So that's pretty much me in a in a nutshell. 
That's interesting. So tell me, when you say you didn't have the support when you were in business and that inspired you to start this leadership training and to train other entrepreneurs, what support did you realize that we don't have, the support that you were lacking at that time? Look, every endeavor that a person undertakes, you'd usually find that there's normally a community of people, there's an ecosystem uh, let's say you want to be a doctor. Typically, if you go to a, uh, a university, there's other doctors that are there. And often you'd find that uh, you can engage uh, with, if you're in your first year, you can always, you know, lean on the knowledge of the wisdom of someone in the third year so that they can guide you uh, in terms of uh, your learning journey. You know, so entrepreneurship, but there's no school that you go to. It's typically personal decisions that people take uh, as a consequence of, of various other influencing factors. Uh, and, and so that's why, because there isn't really an established system, there's often a lack of support and guidance that is very much required, especially in the early stage of, of your business. Now, you know, it's a bit more formalized depending on which part of the country you are because i mean even large corporates and organizations started to embark on what they call enterprise and supplier development you know as a consequence of the triple bee legislation that forces uh, organizations to also procure uh, goods and services from from small medium enterprises so so the structured you know they've got a structured approach to uh, the development of smes but not everybody is privileged to, to, to participate in that sort of program. And if you don't, you still you know, need to form some sort of support where, where, where you can share ideas uh, and then also common, common challenges that you're facing and then you can put your heads together. As how is it that you can resolve those sort of challenges? Interesting. You deal with business owners, you deal with entrepreneurs, you deal with uh, leaders. When you look at the current trajectory of where South Africa is in terms of leadership, in terms of the entrepreneurs, compared to maybe some other countries within the African region, what comes to your mind? What picture do you have or what, what do you see for South Africa in general? Uh, generally, within within I'm talking now within the African context. Yes. Versus um, that that's where I'm going to start. Okay. If you look at within the African context versus maybe uh, the American uh, context, uh, is that generally us in Africa, we 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 start businesses to really support our families. It's, we are survivalists. We, are, we don't launch into a business uh, because we've seen a gap in the market and maybe we, we're bringing some, some technological advancement into the market, you know, similar to what the Bill Gates of this world have done. So, so the general majority of, of businesses in Africa, that's just my opinion, are, are really just there established to survive. So they're basically there to try and meet the needs of the founder uh, because maybe things didn't go well or you don't have the necessary skills, access, opportunities in the corporate world. So they are left to train for yourself through the skills that you have, uh, whether you're in construction or whether you're in, in any other field, whether you are in, a, in, in marketing or whatever, you know, whatever business you start, you're typically trying to start it, not because 
you are trying to to to, to support yourself. You know, versus if you look at uh, the, the the American the American culture, they're very much risk pro and they're very much trying to provide solutions, bring solutions to market. So they're always experimenting, you know, with ideas, and and that's why you find that a lot of some of the technology advancements, you know, from even cars with the Henry Fords started there because they have a culture of that, that, that allows people to fail. You know, in South Africa, if you fail, or within the African context, you know, we, we, we have a very negative view towards failure. And so if you fail, it's almost like you're taking it personal. But in the American culture, you know, failure is And that's what you really need an entrepreneur because oftentimes, Get I mean, if you think of the guy that invented the light, uh, Thomas Edison, he failed over 10,000 times, you know, but he continued trying. But yeah. why? Because the culture within America, he failed, then it's just an experience because it did away. And so we, we, we don't fail often enough in Africa because of our association with failure. And again, to my point, we tend to typically form survivalist businesses just to support ourselves. And so we don't really push ourselves hard to identify, uh, you know, gaps in the market that we could bring unique solutions to. The, the out pockets of that, I'm not saying it's not happening at all, but I'm saying for the general majority, and that's why there's such, such a big informal sector within Africa, you know, uh, people selling uh, vegetables that are unregistered businesses yeah. on the on street corners, wherever. It's really typically just us trying to feed ourselves, trying to survive, uh, you know, as a consequence of us not being able to maybe access, like I said, uh, corporate jobs. Yeah. And uh, obviously yeah. what you're saying, one would may maybe want to know, how did we get there? Where did we get this culture of being survivalists compared to what you referred to uh, the American culture where they are experimentists, where they experiment things. They're always in the lab trying this, trying that. And if you look back in the American culture, it stems back to the uh, dawn of time. And to us, this is the 21st century. We are still survivalists. Uh, how did we get there? Your, your question is very deep because to really try and underscore the reasons why we are where we are, one would have to obviously look at the political history as well of the nation of South Africa in particular, you know, and understand that for the for the for the general majority, never really been given an opportunity as a consequence of colonization to express our, our true selves and find ourselves. So so we've been playing subservient roles for the for the most part and never really embarked on self-discovery. I mean, apart from colonization as well, it's really limited the potential of the, the the majority of the African people. You know, so it's only recently that we've been trying to emerge and come out of that and really begin ourselves for who we are beyond some of the definitions that have, have been imposed on us. And as a consequence, you know, the limiting beliefs that have been imposed on us in terms of what we, who we are and what we are capable of accomplishing. And, and so for the general majority outside of the African context, I mean, if you look at Europe, they've never really had that. They've, they've never been slaves. So for, for, for many generations, you know, 
They've been able to experiment without any reservation, try out different things, have been able to build resources, you know, and, and chart their own path in terms of what they wanted to accomplish in life. And so we, we have been limited. And so we've carried those sort of mindsets and those sort of cultures from generation to generation. But like I'm saying, it's only recently where we're beginning to, to break out, you know, and that's why we keep celebrating, you know, the first black this, the first black that, the first black that, because previously we never really had opportunities to access. Uh, we were disenfranchised, as, as the, the common term that's been used, and, and denied opportunities and denied access. I mean, even beaches now of recent, I don't want to get political, you know. Uh, there was a point in time where black people were not even allowed to access beaches, you know, and ah. so that's why we can't swim, we can't even surf, you know, versus somebody who, who grew up at a beach, you know, there's very few, have you seen black people at a beach surfing? You can count them, I mean, you, most people don't know those, those sort of people, you understand? But, yeah. but it's really about access to opportunities and access to uh, environments that, that can help you to discover yourself and, and express yourself, yourself fully. So, so like I'm saying, and that's why it's only now where we begin to celebrate, you know, maybe the first black business, the first black CEO, or the first female CEO of a, yeah. of a listed company. You know? yeah. There's not a lot of us like that, but 10, 20, 30, 50 years down the line, it will be a common thing, especially when you consider that we are the majority. You know, it will be commonplace to find that there's a lot of successful black businesses. The white population have, have had an advantage from an economic perspective because they were advantaged to start businesses. I mean, the sassels of this world. Even when you go into corporate, typically you find that, uh, you know, the economy is run by white people because they've been at this game far longer and be able to, to climb the corporate ladder and occupy positions of influence and of power. That even when we were in corporate, we never really, you know, ascended to higher heights. Uh, if you were a manager, maybe you were, that's, that's the best you could do. And you couldn't be become a director, you couldn't become a CEO because they didn't see you as having the potential to do that. And so that limited us. And so we took those mindsets back home to our families and perpetuated the belief. Yeah. And intentionally or unintentionally. And so it had a ripple effect. Yeah, no, that that's very true. But you see, one thing that I'm realizing within uh, the context of what you're saying is the younger generation kind of have a different mentality uh, maybe they didn't experience some of the things that you were referring to. I see a lot of hunger, a lot of passion in, a, in, in, our, in our people uh, trying to start something big. But again, uh, I don't know if one might need to know what really needs to be done to break away, to break free from what you are referring to and go for that bigger picture where we build businesses that lasts, businesses that last for hundreds of years, businesses that, that are not attached to you. How can our young people break free and do just that? Yeah, it's really about exposing yourself. Like I'm saying, you know, because there's already a mode that exists that says uh, this is what we are capable of doing. And, and, and you, you, on a day-to-day -day basis, you are exposed to businesses that fail or businesses that don't really differ from 
the next person. You know, people are selling vegetables, people are starting construction companies, people are starting, what else, catering businesses. But we need to shift our mindset first and foremost to begin to see value even in some of those small or common businesses that, that we do and start to see them as potential big business okay. because a lot of us downplay our culture for the most part. I mean, I was saying to somebody and I write about it also in my book that my, my younger brother has been living in, in Japan for the last three years. One of the uh, cuisines that the Japanese eat is, is sushi. Yes. If you're in Tokyo, almost every street, you know, there's a, there's a sushi store there. And, and these people are thriving in terms of those restaurants. And, and, and that's, their, that's part of their culture. But you come to South Africa, you know, we, our, our African cuisine, if you go to a restaurant, what do you sell? You sell pizza, with, you know, which is Italian. Pizza Italian is supposed pizza, to be Italian yeah. and pasta. Yeah, you know, uh, I know the Americans also have pizza with Pizza Hut and so forth. Or you don't find a place that sells pop and morocco, yeah. you know, or, yeah. or Sam and beans, you know. So, 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 so we downplay the power of that. And, that, and when tourists come, those are the sort of uh, local experiences that they want because they yeah. don't want you to be selling them. When, when a Japanese comes in, they don't want the sushi store. Therefore, they sell better sushi back in their country. Yeah, you understand? But, but it's about... It's about starting restaurants as a, as, a, as a simple case that can sell them. I mean, now, even, even some of these big food, food uh, uh, chains like KFC, I mean, KFC started introducing pop and yeah. chicken. Then, yeah. then, uh, then these guys followed suit. Who are they? Nando's started. But the, yeah. the problem is that they realize that there's a gap in the market that even black people themselves, they don't know how to take their culture you know, and the common experiences and convert that into money. You understand? To say we should be seeing stores all over, which are more than KFCs, which are more than the McDonald's, which are more than the Steers, that are selling our African cuisines and thriving because those are the sort of foods that we eat on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. But, 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 but we tend to put a higher value on other people's cultures than we do on our own culture. And it's a mindset thing because we don't value ourselves. Until we place a value on who we are, then everything else that we do, you know, uh, enjoys corresponding value. So you, you, you'll start to see the potential of those things as well. I mean, even the Basutu culture, you know, they, they wear these blankets yeah. that are designed in a particular way. It's only when some American firm started selling them at a higher price yeah. that people were shocked in the market to say, yeah, but someone else is beginning to see value in this ordinary thing that, that you use every day and they commercialize. So we need to learn to, to commercialize even common experiences and begin to see value and the potential to possibly be greater than the McDonald's of this world. Oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Before we continue, let's take a word from our sponsor. Every business needs an online presence. You don't want to depend on social media profiles as your online home. No, you need your own website where you can display your services and run your sales and everything. So if you need to launch your website from the beginning or if you have got a website that needs some alterations, the Ola7 Digital Agency is there to help you. That's ola7.net slash agency ola7.net slash a g e 
and see why or whether you need a logo some graphic designing some search engine optimization or to run your google ad campaigns the ola 7 digital agency is your one-stop shop they can help you with just that visit their website at ola7.net slash agency when investors want to invest some money into your business they need to see your financials they need to see your books they need to see how much you are making so to help you manage all that you need a proper accounting software and sage will help you do just that you don't want to run around like a chicken without a head when investors want to put in some money into your business so for a 30-day free trial of the best accounting software out there go check it out at www.ola7.net slash sage that's ola7.net slash s-a-g-e thanks to our sponsor let's continue with the podcast uh with what you experience as a business leader what is the picture of somebody who wants to start a business what would you advise them if somebody wants to start a business today uh, regardless of who they are where they are but they just want to start a business in south africa what is your advice to them it depends there's so many the, the issue was you need to be clear of what problem are you trying to solve in the market? Uh, an entrepreneur is somebody who's not afraid to confront problems. He's actually inspired by problems. So, so if you're going to be starting a business, try and find out what problems people have. You know, what, what pain are you solving? What pleasure are you creating? So try and find out what are people's pain points, your typical customer what are their pain points what are they struggling with what experiences are they trying trying to gain you know and and, and that's really your, your your starting point and try and match your skill to uh to the solution that you are trying to provide to 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 the market because typically like i said we we start businesses without any any form of research because what happens is that there's two kinds of businesses that i speak about in my book there's an owner, owner-centric business, and then there's a customer-centric business. Because you must remember that the definition of a business really is that a business is a system that delivers value to a customer. When you're saying I'm starting a business, what you're basically saying is I'm putting together a system that tries to deliver solutions, that tries to deliver value to a customer. And, and so when you understand that, then, then you open up your eyes to begin to see solutions or rather, yeah, problems that are surrounding you. Pick ones that there's a market for it, you know. You, you could solve a problem, but you could find that there's not big enough a market for you to be able to sustain uh, that, that particular uh, solution. So, so try and look at problems that are common amongst a lot of people and not just a few. So, so then you begin to see that there is potential for your business. There's, there's longevity in, in the solution that you're providing to the market. So that, that's really, for me, uh, the first thing that I would say. The second thing I've alluded to it is that be customer-centric. Most of the time, owner-centric businesses, what happens with them is that the business is designed to meet the needs of the owner yeah. and that's wrong and yeah. you find that there's, there's very little research that's done you know most people when they start businesses they they, they think that uh, business you know you, you, you're gonna determine the hours you want to work you can wake up at 10 
and maybe stop working at 12. When you run a business, you work the hardest, harder than oftentimes, harder than some people that are working nine to five in a corporate job. Yeah. So I have a mentality that I'm going to have to put in the required work to get this business to where it needs to be. Because remember, you are starting something from scratch. And, and what happens is, is the fallacy that a lot of people that transition from corporate to business is that they don't understand that perhaps they've been employed in that company under one department. Yes. So they only can see what's happening in that one department they belong to, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, or maybe it's operations, or it's finance, or it's IT. Okay, but when you leave and start a business, you don't have those departments. You as an entrepreneur, you as a business owner, everything is on the inside of you. And so you have to translate and pull out of what's on the inside of you and begin to build a business out of it. So that takes time. So have a mindset that I'm, I'm going to have put in the required work. And oftentimes the required work will take longer before you can even begin to see a cent yeah. in terms of revenue. So, so, so the second, the third advice then that I'll give to uh, aspiring entrepreneurs or, or those that have already started is that if, 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 if you can plan it well, plan it such that you've saved up at the minimum six months worth of, of money that you can survive on without a salary. I actually advise people to uh, to save up at least for a year yeah. before you can launch into into a business. But because but but, 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 but on that point, maybe someone will say, "Let's be realistic here. I don't have the money. I'm starting a business, maybe off from my coffers. I don't have the money to save for uh, the next six months, the next one year. Should I stop or should I first uh, build that arsenal of wealth for six months?" Then I go find the money to start the business. See, how does that work exactly? Because no, that is where most of our people are stuck. And it's a very critical point what you're saying. And I value that because it really makes sense. But on the other hand, someone would say, I don't have that amount of money. Otherwise, I will not start a business at all. We start the entrepreneurial journey or the business path differently, all of us. But my advice and first and foremost is that if you are in corporate, if you are currently employed, don't, most people were too quick to leave their jobs to go and start a business because they thought that there's, there's glamour in starting in being an entrepreneur. You know, every channel, the radio station you turn on, they're talking about entrepreneurship, they're talking about business opportunities. And what, what people really think about when they think business, most of us want to win a tender. Yeah, two million. Well, win a tender. Yeah, my life is sorted. But the point I'm making is that if you are in a corporate job, or even if it's not, if you are employed somewhere, don't be quick to leave that formal employment to go start your own business. Start, a, start it as a side hustle. Start it on weekend. Up until you, you can begin to see that, okay, this thing has potential. Yeah. yeah. Then I'll resign. So set those milestones to say, I'm giving myself six months, so I'm giving myself a year while I'm doing the side hustle thing. And then maybe within within that six months, uh, I want to see the kind of revenue I'm going to generate. Will this business be able to sustain me? And then you work on it after hours. You, know? you work on it on weekends, trying to build it, trying to obviously secure customs, trying to uh, create the solution that you're offering to the market. And then, and then you can say, yeah, if, if I reach this certain stage, then I can resign because it looks like it's got potential and it's at a point where it needs me to be full-time. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. So, so if, you, if, if somebody has an advantage of being in a, in a, in a, corporate, in a formal employment now, uh, that's what I would advise them 
to do because even myself when i started the coaching business you know i wasn't doing coaching full time i had my own engineering business that i was doing 9 to 5 and then occasionally i'd coach entrepreneurs and then that business continued to grow you understand but i still kept on doing my engineering job which was paying my salary because for the most part the amount of money i was making in coaching was not enough to sustain me do you understand yeah so 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 that's why i'm saying that if you can do that you 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 should be able to do that but if you find yourself in an unfortunate situation where maybe you've been retrenched and been going without work for for a long time uh try and find ideas that don't need a lot of money for you to start even when you have a big idea even when you have maybe an, an earth a world changing idea start with something simple you understand many maybe you have a you have a vision of of building the next big being the next elon musk and starting elon musk didn't start building electric cars yeah. you know, he, he tried various businesses and from the money he made with those businesses he funded other projects that that he had so think think of see this thing as a journey you know to say let me start one thing that's simple that can be able to generate me income and sustain me and when I'm stable and I've got spare cash I can try and either reinvest in the business and grow it or you know experiment with other ideas that I have okay interesting now you recently wrote a book money talks uh was that your first book yeah this is my first book okay good and how is the experience we'll, we'll talk about what's in the book later but i just want to know your experience in terms of writing the book your experience in terms of publishing the book and the reception on the market what is your experience on that okay that's a good question firstly in terms of writing the book you know anything worth doing it is going to require effort and it's going to require sacrifice and it's going to require focus you know when i've embarked on the journey of writing i thought i'll finish the book in 3 months i underestimated the amount of work it required yeah. because i talked on the subjects you know at seminars for quite some time so i had the content but to put it within a book format was quite challenging so it took me about 9 months from the time i started writing and uh, to the time i got the copy of my book was like 9 months it's almost like bringing together a baby you know but 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 the experience in the market has been overwhelming i mean the people that have bought the book have come back and said they they're really grateful to me for having you know taken the decision to write the book because the content is quite wide you know money talks but but i touch on a lot of subjects i touch on business i touch on leadership you know i touch on relationships because all of these uh subjects are related you know uh, the impact on your money the impact on your wealth and i feel also to you know the earlier subject we we spoke about that the the, the majority of our people have, have not really built wealth and, and 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 there's a process of building wealth and and we need to begin to to converse and discuss it in our conversations you know we need to do our way not that it's wrong we need to really be strategic in the conversations that we have with our, with with one another we need to be building each other so the reception has been quite good in the market uh, it's self published but i will still also make it available to other leading book retailers like exclusive books and because it's quite professionally done i mean i got a professional editor to edit it i got a professional designer to design it so even a book needs investment 
what inspired you to write the book? Because as you said, you had the content, you were teaching it in seminars, in workshops and everywhere. Mm. So what was the need then yeah. for you writing the book, putting it on, on paper? Why didn't you just continue doing what you were doing? Or maybe write a blog post, put it on the internet. What inspired you to write the book? Yeah, look, that's a good question. I, I can't still continue, obviously, through those other platforms. The, the issue is that if, 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 you, if you have a knowledge product, or if it's, it's like a business, if you're building a business, you, you need something that can still have an impact without needing your intervention. Because you must remember that human beings are limited resource. Great as we are, we are limited in terms of time, in terms of space, spaces that we can occupy. Yeah. You know, So we need to be looking for uh, avenues or platforms or, or products that we that can uh, do what needs to be done without our intervention. That's why we put in systems in a business. Systems are there to try and help you to to repeat uh, the service that you are providing with minimal intervention from you. You understand, and that's why technology is there so that you can automate processes uh, that that need very little uh, human human intervention. So 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 a book for me as a knowledge product is, is that, in that once I've put my content onto a book, uh, someone can buy it and they can access the same content that I share on seminars and they can read it at their leisure. So if, if maybe they can't come to a particular, uh, you know, region, maybe I'm having a seminar or, yeah, a seminar in, uh, in Johannesburg and they're based in Mosulville, in Cape Town or in Durban, or, you know, so they can't come, they, they're limited. But if they have a book, they can purchase it and, they, and then they can have access to the same material at any given point. But the content of the book specifically, what inspired me to write it, is really through my interactions with people. And, and you know, like I said, at some point we had 150 employees in our work. And these sort of, these employees, you know, are the kind of people that would be always asking for loans. And I realized that, you know, and, and, and I knew how much they earned and, yeah. and their lifestyle also didn't, didn't match the earnings. And they were in a perpetual cycle of always borrowing money. And, and I realized that they really lack the skill to, to, to manage the resources that they have, you know. And so that's why I wrote the book. Even with entrepreneurs, when I interacted with entrepreneurs, you'd find that uh, an entrepreneur would have great opportunities in terms of contract maybe that they, that they have in the business. But three, four years down the line, they've got nothing to show. They have nothing to show. Yeah. Yeah, they've got nothing to show. And, and you realize that the same way they manage their own personal finances is the same way they manage business finances. And so they were never taught. Because remember that if you've got a specific skill, money requires a skill. Wealth requires a different kind of skill. Just because you've got the skill to make money, because your skill to make money could be from your profession. Maybe you're a doctor, maybe you're a lawyer, or you're a builder, or you're a marketing person, whatever. That's how you make your money. But the management of money is completely different. Yeah, it different. requires a different set of skills. Yeah, the multiplying of that money is also very different. It requires a different set of skills. So, so, so your profession only qualifies you to be able to generate, but it doesn't qualify you to be able to manage the money. So you need to equip yourself with the skills to be able to do manage all those aspects that are related to money, the making of the money, the managing of the money, 
the moving of the money and the multiplying of the money. Mm. So I find that you, sometimes people know how to make it, they don't know how to manage it. Or they know how to manage money, but they don't know how to make it. <laughs> or, or they don't know how to multiply money, you understand? So, yeah. so, so you can rate yourself in all, those, in all those pillars, you know, because I call them wealth building pillars. You, and, and, and you can rate yourself in terms of where you stand and increase your knowledge in that particular area, in that particular avenue. I mean, why most people get robbed of their money is because they don't know the, the, the money multiplying skills, money multiplying principles. So there's all these scams that are happening all the time, you know, because people are also very greedy and they want quick riches. So they fall prey to those sort of schemes because they haven't really taken the time to build that pillar of wealth, which is how do I multiply money? What are the avenues? You know, what are the platforms? Uh, what are what are the different asset classes that I can access? Yeah, no, I mean, you found musicians, you found uh, soccer soccer stars. They made money because they they could sing, or they made money because they could kick the ball and score goals. Yeah, you understand? But they didn't know how to manage it. They didn't know how to grow it. So this book is really about giving you control because sometimes we trust people that call themselves professionals without really also understanding what is it that they're doing. So this book is equipping you to have meaningful conversations with people that you are also entrusting with your money. But it also equips you to be able to do the very thing that they're doing with your money for yourself. That's interesting because what I've realized is you just alluded to, I saw a lot of soccer, great soccer players and they play this thing like crazy in their early career. And when they retire, when they're off the pitch, you see them suffering. Some cannot even pay their rent. They struggle yeah. after that because they had an influx of money and maybe they didn't know how to manage it at that time. And then later on, yeah. they begin to be beggars. So is that... Uh, something yeah. that is also addressed in the book? Yeah, it's addressed. It's, it's, the thing with wealth is that it's a long-term thing. Yeah. You know, it, one of the things that Bill Gates said, it's a quote I mentioned in the book, and it's a problem with a lot of entrepreneurs because Bill Gates is also an entrepreneur himself. So yes. it's good to learn from the master. He says, people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can achieve in 10 years okay but i find that most entrepreneurs when they start you know they've always said yeah i want to retire at 30. maybe he's 25 <laughs> he says i want to start a business and retire at age 30. yeah you know so so, so they overestimate and, and 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 so they think in one year i would have made a million so they overestimate what they are able to accomplish in one year. Yeah. But they don't realize that maybe, you know, your plans are right, you're on the right path, but it may not take you one year, it may take you 10 years. Yeah. Like Bill Gates said, you understand? But when you reach that 10 year milestone, the sort of success that you've accomplished, you know, can last you for the next 20, 30 years. Do you yeah. understand? Yeah. So, 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 so we are over eager to, to reach the mountain top too quickly yeah. and not want to go through, through, through the process. I'm not saying people must uh, stay long in businesses or take long when things can be quicker, but we need to stop having this retirement mindset and corporates must also stop 
forcing people to retire age 60 <laughs> and age 65. Because, yeah, because what happens is, what are you going to do? Some people are very productive, even at age 65, if you lead a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. You know, the knowledge that you've accumulated, you know, it, it's important and you can add, your, your, your physique might not be able to allow you to do the things you used to do, but your mind should be strong. Your mind should be full of knowledge that you can impart and you can, you know, sustain yourself through, through that knowledge that you have and seek those avenues. Yeah. The point is, think, think long-term, think long-term. Even when you get a million tomorrow, Think, how can I stretch this million to last me? How can I multiply it? How can I grow it? How can I get it to a point where it can sustain me beyond, uh, you know, beyond my retirement season where I can no longer work for myself? Okay, that's interesting. And uh, just to maybe wrap things up, I'm going to go personal with you now. So if somebody yeah. is to ask you, um, what is your favorite food? What would your answer be? My favorite food. My favorite food changes from time to time, but I like I like I like mutton mutton stew uh, with Sam and beans. You know that's one of my favorite. Yeah, mutton 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 stew. I enjoy mutton stew. I enjoy lamb chops. Uh, you know, yeah, I like meat. I like stew, mutton stew. You are a meat eater, okay. And uh, what type of yeah. a leader are you? Are you an autocratic leader or a democratic leader? Are you that kind of a, a leader who gives people their freedom or they must follow your rules? No, no, I'd like to... Leadership is, is about inclusivity, you know. It's not one guy saying this is the way to go. So, so I believe in soliciting uh, input from the people that you lead. So that we can co-create, you know, the solutions that, uh, so that you can have buy-in from them as well. So I'm a very, I'm very consultative in my leadership approach. I'm not autocratic, so I'm very collaborative as well. I believe that uh, the people you lead can contribute meaningfully to the accomplishment of that vision. So I'm definitely not autocratic. Uh, far from it. Yeah. So I'm consultative and give people the freedom to express themselves and contribute and find solutions. Okay, do you hire on skill or on experience? What do you mean? On skill meaning you've got raw skill, but you haven't got proven proven uh, track record. Yes. It depends. Uh, you know, I mean, if let's say there's an opportunity in the business, the business is growing and you are needing to bring in young talent. So you would expect that that young talent doesn't have you know, the, the, the runway that someone who's been in the game uh, for 20, 15, 10 years has, you know. So, so you want them to obviously have, have, have the relevant skill, either through formal qualification or, uh, you know, demonstrated skill that they have. And then you can hire them and then maybe they can work with somebody that can help them with the, with the experience. Because experience comes by accessing opportunities for you to continue to use those skills that you have, you know, and you perfect the skills. So, so it, it, it will be informed by the context. There are certain jobs. Uh, let's say you were to employ a CEO of an organization. You know, it's a very critical role. You'd want to have somebody that has both the skill and some sort of experience. Uh, 
you know, and, and that's a problem with a lot of the entrepreneurs and business owners that, that they give themselves these fancy titles. They are CEOs, they're managing directors. Yeah, but they don't have the requisite skills. You understand? Yeah. That same person, you wouldn't take them to go and apply for a job of a listed company on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, but they call themselves a managing director because yeah. we like titles. You know, they, they, we, we promote ourselves without the requisite experience. And when somebody challenges us, we throw a title at them. You understand? Yeah. So, so that's a, that's a challenge with a lot of entrepreneurs because the guy was, was maybe a builder at, 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 at the former em, employer. Maybe he was, a, he was an artisan, he was a mechanical fitter, and he's good at it. And then he registers the business and then he calls himself a managing director. Where did he learn to be a managing director? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Do you understand? And then they keep saying, yeah, it's my business. I know. You only know a certain part of it. So, so, so entrepreneurs need to be humble and know that they don't know everything. They may be good at what they do in terms of the skill or the, you know, the specific service that they're providing to the market. But they still have a lot to learn from a finance point of view, an administrative point of view, legal point of view, leadership point of view, you know, and, 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 and those are some of the requirements that are needed for somebody who goes into a corporate world versus somebody who runs their own business. Good. And what is yeah. your favorite song? What does Mulefepoi listen to? Nah, my songs change all the time. I mean, I, <laughs> I listen to gospel music if I'm obviously because I'm a Christian, but I also listen to R&B from time to time, you know. So at this point in time, I don't have a song that really comes to mind that I'm saying, this is my favorite song. I don't, uh, in all honesty, they differ from time to time. Okay, no, good. And what do you do in your yeah. spare time on weekends, after work, on your leisure time? Uh, I, I jog, I, I try to read, and I listen to podcasts as well. I'm always trying to better myself in terms of knowledge, in terms of uh, understanding of the world, uh, you know, in terms of improving my skills. And then from time to time, I like to travel as well. Obviously, now in times of COVID, it's a bit of a challenge, yeah. but I like to travel and invest myself in different cultures so that I can learn what they do and what they're about, you know, and engage. I like to socialize with people because you also learn a lot from other people that are different from you in terms of interests, in terms of uh, inclinations, yeah, in terms of career paths. So I try to, I like to uh, network and engage with with. with with people. I also spend time with my family. I have a wife and kids, so I enjoy spending time with my kids and uh, yeah, just engaging with them, even though they're still young now, but, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm a hands-on, involved kind of kind of parent. Okay, no, that's good. And uh, just to wrap things up, where do people find you if people want to connect you, if people want to buy your book, uh, Money Talks, if they want to connect with your uh, company in Asia, if they want to hire you for speaking engagements or for coaching engagements, where do people find you? Okay. Uh, for my book, they can go to the website. They can order it from the website www.moneytalksbook.co.za www.moneytalksbook.co.za 
www.co.za. And then if they want to get access to some of the work I do from a coaching perspective, uh, and my details are also there, it's at www.inertiabusinesscoaching.com, www.inertiabusinesscoaching.com. Thank you so much, Mulefepoi. I'll also leave the links on the show notes so that uh, our listeners can get access to that. Thank you so much for being on our show, for being our guest. And one quote that you you can leave to us, what is the one quote that drives you that you'd want to leave the world with? I know uh, you have been part of John Maxwell and one quote that I like about John Maxwell that he wrote in his book is today made in his book today matters is we overestimate tomorrow and we over exaggerate uh, yesterday it's a quote that i like mm. and uh, as somebody yeah. who has been with john maxwell what is your quote yeah. that can explore okay. and can be heard by uh, all the other people that can inspire business owners and all our listeners Okay, thanks. Let me also close then with the John Maxwell quote because I've got a couple of these. And that one is also quite good. I like it, the one that you shared. Uh, He says that everything worthwhile in life is always uphill. Uh Anything worthwhile that you want to achieve in life is, is uphill. If you want to achieve a business, if you want to start a family, you know, it's, it's an uphill. In other words, it takes effort. It takes energy. It takes commitment. And what he said is that he found that a lot of people have uphill aspirations, but downhill habits. In other words, <laughs> their habits never match their aspirations. And that's why we don't achieve the success that, that we've uh, envisioned. You know, so, so I'm encouraging people to make sure that uh, your actions and your habits are matching your aspirations. If you're saying that you want to live long and a healthy life, you know, your, your, your habits must be such that you exercise regularly and you eat the right food, you know. If you're saying that you want to lead, uh, you know, you want to have financial freedom, your money habits uh, must match that aspiration because it's going to be up here. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take effort. But make sure, understand that everything that you, is worthwhile to pursue in life will always demand something from you. And be willing to pay the price. I like to say there's a price. to Everything has a price. If you don't pay the price to achieve your goal, you'll pay the price for failing to pay the price to achieve your goal. Can you say that again? <laughs> the last statement, I like mm-hmm. it. Uh, everything has a price. You either pay the price to achieve your goal or you pay the price for failing to pay the price to achieve your goals. So everything has a price to it. So pay the price, you know, the price of sacrifice, the price of self-discipline, so you to achieve your goal. Because if you don't pay that price, you'll pay the price of failure. You'll pay the price of stagnation. And the price, even though it's demanding, is always cheaper than the price of failure. Wow. So be willing every day to pay the price of success because it's going to demand from daily. That's amazing. Mulefepoi, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure, uh, Prince. Thank you for the invitation. Keep doing great work and I wish you all the best business endeavors, you and your family. The Lord bless you, sir. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can find all the links mentioned on the show notes. I am your host, Prince Chiramba. If you like the Ola7 Small Business Podcast, do not forget to subscribe and leave a review. Share this podcast with your friends on social media and check out more podcast episodes on our website at ola7.net slash podcast. You can also find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen your podcast. For more information, business tips and ideas, visit our website at ola7.net. That's www.ola7.net. Remember the 7 is a digit, so it's ola7.net. Connect with us and other like-minded people in our Facebook group. Go to Facebook and search for ola 7 online community and you can find us there you're also welcome to sponsor a podcast episode and have your brand mentioned to our audience if you'd like to sponsor an episode visit ola7.net slash sponsor that's ola7.net slash sponsor have a good one ola7